today on the Win Daily Show, I have Scott Angle, good friend of Win Daily Sports, 20-plus year veteran of the fantasy sports industry, first ballot Fantasy Sports Writers Association Hall of Famer, four-time Fantasy Sports Writers Award winner, nine-time finalist, featured analyst for ESPN.com, award-winning Sirius XM radio show host, and the, the previous managing director of Roto Experts for more than a decade. Scott, really appreciate your time today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Also, uh, you know, I'm now back with CBS Interactive. I started my career there, first five years of my career. So it's good to be back there as well as at, uh, at rotoballer.com too. Look at you, man. Doesn't Time's a flat circle. Everything comes back around. And I even yeah. forgot my, my favorite part, noted Mets fan and Seahawks fan, which is kind of cool too. Yeah, it's uh, actually I've been the uh, official fantasy writer for Seahawks.com for the last eight seasons. Russell Wilson and I were drafted in the same year. Yeah. Uh, grew up in Met fan, a Met fan and through Sirius XM. Uh, for the last 10 years, uh, I've been a credentialed member of the press at City Field, uh, which has uh, given me a very unique perspective on things. Absolutely. I mean, do the Mets do? No, that's. I don't want to dive too far down that rabbit hole because we can we can complain about the Mets all day. I guess one thing with the Seahawks, did were you drafted before or after a punter by uh, just by chance? Uh, I think I went ahead of the punter. Okay, good. Yeah, good. good. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Because my friend, uh, good my my cousin is a big Jaguars fan, and I still make fun of him to this day about that. How the Jaguars drafted a punter in the third round over Russell Wilson. Um, he'll never live it down. And, uh, you know, I love it. I'm a huge Russell Wilson fan. I loved him at NC State. And then that year at Wisconsin was absolutely crazy. So, um, you know, definitely love uh, watching the Seahawks and seeing what he's doing. But, Scott, I want to start this conversation off um, a little bit, a little differently. I want to know, you know, here at Win Daily, we're all about helping you win money, obviously in gambling, DFS, and fantasy sports. But what does it mean to you to win every single day? Uh, one word on that is it's impossible for everybody to win every day. You could ask Jason or Javi, you know, about, about that. But I think, uh, you know, when you're talking about DFS and you're, you're talking about win daily, you know, you got guys over there who win probably as often as you can, you know, when, uh, when, when, when you're talking about, you know, some of the, the experts over there, it's just, it, it, it's incredible how often they win and uh, how, how big they win. And, you know, that's what makes daily great too, is, you know, the, the, the staff at win daily cares as much about the users as they do their own accounts. And they've gained a lot of credibility very quickly. We're very happy about that. So I guess that was a poor way to ask the question on my end. So I do apologize. So I guess no, it's okay. Let, I can answer word. anything. Yeah, I know you're <laughs> incredible, man. You've been doing this thing way longer than I've been alive. As we already established, what does it mean for you to win each day? There we go. I think that's a better way of asking that question outside of fantasy, outside of sports, just in general, how do you make sure that you're trying to win every single day? Uh, how am I trying to make sure every when I have, single day just setting a to-do list for myself and trying to get through the whole thing and then giving myself an, enough time to relax and you know uh do the things i like to do for fun i like that and you probably like to do fantasy sports for fun so that's the ironic part oh right? no there's um, other things because sometimes <laughs> when you're playing fantasy outside of work you feel like i'm working so you know i like to do other things like especially during quarantine you know i've rediscovered my love of playing madden uh you know binging certain shows, you know, like 
curb your enthusiasm, mm-hmm. binging a lot of stuff on, on on YouTube, like like insult comics, you know, things like that. Impractical jokers. I'm a big Kiss fan, so always watching classic videos. So rock and uh, roll, yeah, rock and roll. Yeah, man. I love it. So when, uh, as we said, you've been in this fantasy sports world, you know, over 20 years at this point. When did you? You know, you've been in the industry for 20 plus years, but when did you fall in love with fantasy sports and, you know, realize that this is something that you could do as a career? Well, I played a lot of Stratomatic growing up with my friends, and that's like a forerunner of fantasy sports. We would actually play mostly basketball, but a lot of football, baseball, and even some hockey, even though I'm not a hockey fan. And uh, we would we would draft players and have leagues and play in each other's houses officially in fantasy football in 1994 i was working at a sporting goods store in manhattan and they had a fantasy football draft when i was on vacation when i came back a friend of mine asked me to help share his team because he thought i knew a lot about football and then some other guy offered me to take over his team because he wanted to quit you know he was owing too Mm-hmm. And he just didn't want to invest the time. So I took over his team, gave him the 150 league fee. It was an IDP league in 1994. And I ended up losing only one game the rest of the way. Totally redid my roster off waivers and trades and beat the team that I helped draft originally with uh, my partner in the Super Bowl. And that then, is- when, uh, and then, what, then uh, how did I know I could make it a career? Well, I always wanted to be a sports writer, but – my career started at CBS at Sportsline USA before it was CBS Sportsline. And after the first six months there, it wasn't quite working out, working me in the newsroom. So Rick Wolf, who was working there at the time, said to me, we don't want to let you go from the company. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to test you in two areas. In the morning, you'll work for Fantasy. In the afternoon, you'll work for Vegas Insider. After six months, if you're doing good, you can pick whichever side you like. If not, we're going to have to make some sort of decision. But I did well enough that both departments wanted me, but I took a natural liking to fantasy and became the first ever full-time writer and fantasy editor at Sportsline USA, which later became CBS Sportsline, and I was there in 2004. That is incredible, man. I mean, that's a great story about, uh, you know, beating yourself essentially in the Super Bowl um, and, you know, having that opportunity to do that. It's always nice when you can kind of have that little extra motivation when you do something like that. And I think, again, the, the, the industry, I think it's so cool that you've been in it for this long and being, being able to see the iterations of it, you know, as you know, you did an IDP league. I'm in one IDP league. I only know of, you know, a handful of other ones. I find it so much more enjoyable than just picking a defense and special teams for whatever reason. And I think it's kind of, it's pretty cool that you've been able to see so many iterations and different ways that the sports, the the fantasy world has really grown. So with that, like turning this into a career, when you were at CBS and, and Sportsline, as you said, did you think, you know, when you were writing like, okay, fantasy sports is going to get as big as, it is, you know, in today in 2020, um, or was this something you just said, Hey, I'm going to hang on as long as I can. Cause this opportunity is amazing. Uh, I said to myself first, you know, this could be a career opportunity, but fantasy was always treated like news. People would sports writers used to say that the news department treated them like the toy department. Well, back in those days, late nineties, the, regular sports newsroom treated us like the toy department. And I never thought the wall was going to come down 
until fantasy sports exploded around 2000 when Sportsline uh, bought Commissioner.com, which is the engine they still use and what a lot of the industry uh, has modeled it off of. And fantasy football just exploded around 1999, 2000 and took the company's stock so high that I remember the managing editor, Steve Miller, actually saying that if the stock hit a certain point that he would dance on his desk in front of the whole company. And I'll never forget when he did that. And that's when I knew fantasy sports had powered that. And our CEO, Mike Levy, you know, wonderful man, uh, you know, one of the best people I've ever worked for. Uh, he realized the importance of fantasy. And I think when Sportsline and CBS Sportsline uh, forced the industry to explode, I knew that something big was happening. That is awesome, man. I just, I, I always like to, you know, I've had a few industry veterans on uh, this show so far, kind of from the, the fantasy space. And it's always cool to kind of see someone who's been with something for so long and really saw that, that huge boom. And it, I, I feel like it's still booming, right? I still feel like the NFL and MLB and NBA, they get a significant boost from fantasy and people caring the NFL in particular, you know, I'm going to watch that Thursday night game because I have a wide receiver and, you know, maybe, maybe the quarterback or a running back in that game, even if it is the Jaguars and the Browns, why I have a wide receiver or running back from either of those teams. I mean, other than Nick Chubb, that's on me, but you know, it's just one of those things where having those extra layer, that extra layer of, um, of emotion and passion involved in something I think is really important. And to that point, as you said, you worked at the, the Vegas, uh, the, the, Vegas insiders tied up, if I'm not mistaken, you said, yes. what, you know, with gambling being illegal still until, you know, 2018 and most of the country, what, like, why, I guess, did you fall more towards the fantasy side of things than the, the sports betting and sports gambling side? Uh, I wasn't really big into gambling and what I was doing for Vegas insider was injuries and depth charts. And you can do all those things in fantasy anyway. And, it was just more of a natural I, – I, I always liked – to me, fantasy was never a pure game of chance. You know, use your knowledge, et cetera. It's more me versus you than me versus the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, I just – it was felt, felt like it was something more natural. You know, I've always been a gamer. You know, I've always played Madden and, and things like that and MLB the show. So I like the competitive interactivity of playing against someone else, playing against a computer, you know things like that. I just don't want to spin a wheel and hope I'm not going to lose my money. <laughs> that is nice, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I've always uh, been, you know, a long, long time friend and, and lover with fantasy sports. It's always been very important to me. And but, you know, you, I, you were able to, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I do, I, you know, over the last few years, though, I realized where the industry is going and for CBS Act Interactive, you know, my, my main, uh, my main role now there is being an editor on the sports line side, which is heavy focus on wagering. So, you know, I've learned more to embrace that, you know, that was more my mentality years ago. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty important. I mean, if everybody out there, you know, if you've ever put even five or 10 bucks on a game, it makes it way more interesting. Just like, again, along the same side as fantasy. Now, as you said, all those things, it's me versus the house. It's not me versus you. And I totally agree. And that's why I also love fantasy more, but just, gambling and and money lines and just kind of how all that stuff works is you know obviously i know a little bit more than the next guy but it's so so interesting to me how they can predict these lines to be within one or two points and it's just insane half a point sometimes and it's so interesting just to kind of see and feel that and again 
everyone likes a nice sweat every once in a while. That's why people work out, right? So you've um you've obviously again, so you did absolutely turn this into a career. You've been a writer, you've been a, a serious XM radio host. Um, again, ESPN. Um, you're in the Hall of Fame. What was it like being in your first ballot Hall of Famer in the inaugural? Um, I don't want not a draft. I guess the inaugural vote, correct? Yes, For, so uh, it was. It was a vote among my peers in the industry. And what does that mean to you knowing that others within the industry respect that much and they think that highly of you? It's a tremendous validation and compliment. Uh, I, I was in with the class with Matthew Berry, Eric Carabell, and Greg Kellogg. And, you know, it's just, just, just a tremendous honor. It's like I, I was – I was one of the early board, top board members of the Writers Association and the Hall of Fame was my idea. I didn't do it with the intention of me going in on the first ballot, but that was, that was really nice. To say the least. Yeah, man. I mean, that's just has to be such a cool, um, a cool feeling knowing that, as you said, you know, that, that those people, it, the, the honor that was bestowed on you, the, the validation, um, you know, you're not looking for the validation, but it's nice to get it every once in a while. Right. And I guess how did, you know, so you came up with this idea. So I actually think that it's kind of funny that you were also voted in, um, obviously within merit, but it's still kind of, you know, just a little chuckle there. And what, um, how did you take advantage of something like that? Like being voted into the hall of fame of something again, with, especially because there are so many people, as you said, with Matthew Berry and Eric Carabell and, you know, the amount of writers and the popularity of fantasy, what does it mean, I guess, to you to be in the hall of fame of something, especially because you've been in it since essentially, you know, almost the beginning at this point? Uh, I, I guess it means I'm well-respected in the industry and have a lot of credibility, and I don't take that for granted, and I appreciate that. And when people read my content, they know it's coming from an authoritative source, and it's, it's a cool factor, too. You know, it's, uh, there's only so many of us. Uh, we don't get to meet up, unfortunately, uh, informally like the NFL players do but we know we know who everybody is and we always welcome in you know the newest uh additions and you get a say in who comes in and it's, it's kind of cool to throw something around like when you meet a, somebody from your favorite band you could tell paul stanley well i'm a hall of famer too you know it's you're in the rock and roll hall of famer and i'm i'm in the fantasy hall of fame <laughs> what did paul stanley say when you told him that uh, it was in front of, front of a bunch of other people because so he didn't get to follow up on it. But it, ah. he definitely it was in front of the whole band and uh, nice. and at a, a serious XM town hall. I said I wanted to thank you guys. You know I'm in the Hall of Fame in my industry, and you know you you guys are Hall of Famers too. And I probably couldn't have got there if not for you inspiring me. So I just threw that out there, and they seemed to appreciate it because they were very nice to me afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome good to hear good to hear yeah kiss yeah. legends man that's too funny and i love yeah. how you uh you're able to go up and tell them that i think that's very important uh especially yeah, sometimes getting- when you interview when you interview people on sirius xm you know interviewing tim brown and saying well there's one hall of famer you know interviewing another mm-hmm. i love it that is that yeah. hey man use it if you got it flaunt it i'm i'm all about that uh, i think yeah. it's really important and then what about i know again you um espn for a little while as well obviously cbs sports has been around for a significant period of time and it's very well respected in the industry but 
I mean, they're the worldwide leader, they're the mothership, whatever you want to call them. Was, what, what was it like being a part of that crew over at ESPN? And especially, again, as we were saying, with Matthew Barry and Eric Carable and guys of that stature as well. Well, Matthew came in towards the end when I was okay. there. So it was me, Eric Carabell, Tristan Cockroft, uh, Kevin Routes, Graham Hayes was there for a little while. And it, it's something I had to try in my career when you get the opportunity. Brandon Funston was a good friend of mine, still is. And when he left, he recommended for me to take his spot. You know, and I was, I was there for four years and there was a cool factor included in that, you know, and being in Bristol, but it's, it's not what everybody thinks. It's that people like say hi to Merrill Hodge. They're like, I've never met him. You know, it's the campus. Is, the campus is so huge and the company is so huge. And it's almost, it's almost like you become a small fish in a bigger pond mm-hmm. when you're, when you're over at ESPN. It, it seems, uh, it seems that being on platforms that I was elsewhere uh, served to boost my career more than ESPN did. That's interesting. Um, you know, I, I can understand that, you know, ESPN definitely has that allure to it. I mean, I grew up wanting to have a job at ESPN and I knew so many other people that, you know, it is some sort of a dream job, especially with me growing up in the nineties and early two thousands when, you know, sports center, I had to watch it 24 hours a day. Cause I might miss something now, obviously the advent of Twitter and all these other op- opportunities with mobile cell phones and everything. It's not quite the same, but it's still, a, it's a cool thing, as I said. And that's why I wanted to, yeah, as had, you said, I had, I had to try it though. You know, exactly. There, there was a, there was a cool factor though, you know, being in a cube next to, to Rick Spielman before he went back to the Vikings, mm-hmm. you know, and Randy Mueller was right near me. He was a former GM of the Seahawks and we became good friends. You know, I made, I made some friends over there, but it's, it's uh very businesslike, uh, you know, as compared to, as compared to other companies, uh, I lived in Bristol for, for, for two years doing, doing that as well. So, you know, that was a small town experience. It was interesting as well. It was, a, it was a very interesting experience and I had, I had to try it once, you know, Eric Carabell's one of the greats and Trist, Tristan Cockroft is one of the very nicest people in the entire industry and a, a longtime friend. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, they, they, they were, there were some fun, there were some fun times there here and there. That is awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm sure it was great. Again, you know, it was always, always a dream job of a lot of people. Now I wouldn't want to do it today, but you know, if you told me 15 years ago, I could have done it. I probably would have jumped at that opportunity. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've spoke about it a little bit so far and we've kind of glossed over it, but um, I'll say it again, award-winning Sirius XM radio host. You've been, how long have you been on Sirius for Scott? Well, I was the first voice ever to, to be on Sirius XM fantasy sports radio when they, when they, the, uh, when the channel launched 10, uh, 10 years ago this month, uh, I was on the morning show along with Adam Ronis and we did that for six years. And, uh, you know, that, that was a great run. It was, you know, one of, one of my, my favorite periods of my career, we became incredibly popular and our morning show and, I think I realized how popular more we were in retrospect. People still say to me, man, you guys were just great. You were so funny and entertaining and informative. And, you know, that became like a drug just, you know, being on Sirius XM because so many people are listening to you and uh, you're, you're getting to hang an interview with 
celebrities all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, but then when my company at the time started, tried to start their own radio channel in 2016, uh, we were told to leave Sirius XM. And then when I left that company last year, I went back and have been back for a year. So seven total years. Uh, and I've been back on for the last year with Roto Bowler and at times guesting and guest hosting with one win daily, which has been fun. Uh, and it's, it's good to be back there. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a great platform. And it's, it's like I said, it's, it's, it's like a drug because mm -hmm. you actually get a little taste of fame and then you're just, just being around it. It's, and everybody hearing your fantasy advice, it's just, it's an addictive thing. I, I like that. It's a good way to put it, man. I mean, I've only done it, you know, you and I, we met in the studio a couple, I don't know, yeah, days don't matter anymore, however long it was. Um, and, you know, I've only done it a few times. I've only had the, the opportunity to do it a couple times. And now with everyone kind of staying at home, haven't been able to go to the studio at all, unfortunately. But it, it was so much fun. Uh, and I cannot wait to continue to do it more and more because it was an absolute blast. You are 100% correct there, man. And, I mean, you know, doing it for six years, you having the morning show. I actually had the opportunity to have Adam uh, on this podcast already. So, uh, you know, hopefully everyone goes back and listens to his episode. But he was, out, he was awesome, you know, getting to hear what he's done and how he's done it. He brought you up obviously to talk about how um there was uh there was going to be a different host unfortunately that person dropped out and you were able to to snag him uh, just out of curiosity there do you have a good story on you know what what that other guy's excuse was on why he couldn't he couldn't make it that day uh, the company at the time that was uh had him was you know they they weren't they weren't gonna how should I, how should I best put this? <laughs> uh, the company at the time that I was working for, um, didn't feel that I, mean, I, I can't think of the right way to describe this. It was kind mm -hmm. of an, kind of an internal thing. Okay. You know? uh, and then Adam, I said, they said, well, do you have anybody else? I said, you know, I've had Adam Ronis on my podcast and he's got his own podcast and he's really, really good. And uh, Adam was great, you know, right from the beginning. I, I thought he was perfect. You know, the other guy wanted certain things from the company that they weren't willing to meet the demands. I like that. Hey, I don't think know, the demands were outrageous, but you know, I wasn't. That's not. The company. Yeah, that's not for me yeah. or you uh, yeah. to to say. I guess so. That's not. The, yeah. That's not the point. But you know, I, again, you know, talking to Adam, uh, it was it was very interesting from his point of view as well. Just understanding that this this opportunity came knocking. Uh, he was he didn't didn't sound like he was getting paid much, if anything at all. And you know, he did that show for a couple years. Yeah, that was like. that was why the other host didn't want to do it. That makes sense. I, I can and understand. Adam that, Adam Adam was more like I see this as an opportunity. Uh, so I'll at least start that way. And to Adam's credit, he went f five years with hardly making a dime. Mm -hmm. But and now look where he is, though. So yeah. it's, it's kind of cool. It's 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 taking yeah. advantage of those situations, as you said. You get that that taste of fame too. You know, people would pay to have the morning show on Sirius XM, especially on the fantasy sports radio, where you know you can get yeah. so much knowledge from people like yourself. Uh, people would pay to sit in that seat across from you. So I think it's awesome uh, that he was able to do yeah, that. And it took was... advantage of the situation. It was, there's also a very, it was also a very high pressure environment uh, for the company that I was working for at the time and it being a morning show. Uh, it was, there was also, you know, it was a lot of fun and I would do it all over again, but you know, it was, 
it was very high pressure. You know, people, mm -hmm. people, you were, were watching your every move, and you know, I learned a lot of a lot about radio. You know, the pre the pressure is high. Radio, radio can be scary. Not that I would, but you know, you say one wrong thing or make one more wrong move, and you're you're off the air forever. You can never take it for granted. There's there's countless numbers, uh, countless examples of that. So we don't need to dive too deep into many of those, but I think, you know, you're, you're a hundred percent right. So hopefully, hopefully I bite my tongue right before I'm going to say anything too, too stupid. Um, and same, well, same you know, if, well. if you have common sense and you know how to act as an adult out in the adult world, you should be okay. I will. I think I'll be okay then. I appreciate yes. that, but I'm, I'm pretty yeah, sure. You don't I'm strike just... me as somebody who's going to pull something like that. Not, not anytime soon. Not anytime no. soon. I think we'll be just fine. So yeah. as I said, you know, you and I met in the serious studio when, um, you know, your show was ending Jason and Jason and I would, on the wind daily show, we were just starting. And, um, I know you, I know you don't work with us, but as you said, you've, you've known Jason for a while. You, you've helped yeah. out with the company, you know, you know what we're doing. He said that there's a, uh, there's a pretty great story about Jason and you, um, we'll call it you drafting a baseball team while Jason sat and, and drank some beer by himself. Uh, he said you love to tell the story. So if you don't mind, I'd love to love to hear it from your point of view. Actually, it was a football team. Oh, it was know, football. This, I apologize. There's this high-stakes high, this high stakes sort of league uh, that I get involved in every year. And I've won the championship the last three years. Uh, it's high-stakes players from the NFFC, other fantasy experts, including Adam Ronis, and a lot of people we know that play at a very high level. And I wanted to get a partner because, you know, to share the cost of the team. And if I win, like I have the last three years, uh, to, you know, we also split it. Mm -hmm. So Jason said, fine. He came down and during the draft, he's, he's, uh, he's doing his daily fantasy baseball lineups. And at one point, he you know he calls out Hunter Renfro, and I'm saying, no, we want to draft him. He's talking about the Padres outfielder. Mm -hmm. you know, like, will you focus? So, Jason, I love him, dear guy, good friend, but uh, can get very focused on the negative. We started one and six, and he went around telling everybody he knew that basically I ruined the team, and then. I turned it around. We, I never lost again the rest of the year. Won the individual title and the overall title because there are two leagues and an overall title. Took the whole thing down and just proved to Jason that he should never doubt me. That is a great way to prove to him that he should never doubt you. Yeah, he told yeah. me. Uh, he didn't say one and six. I think he said you, you started like 0 oh and 4 or something and he yeah he started going 0 and 4 and then 1 oh, and 6 okay there we go so yeah. okay I, we got but once right. we got to 1 and 6 i never lost again that is too funny man good yeah. for you good for you yeah he uh, he told me that story and he's like yeah ask scott scott loves to tell that because uh made me look like an idiot and then you guys won so he got he, he you guys got to split the money and all he did yeah. was try and take you down well, i felt time. like he was making me look like an idiot first you know telling <laughs> everybody that would listen about this yep and I said, well, you know, I, I got to give it back to you. And I went on the air on Sirius XM and gave it back to him. And everybody's getting upset at me, including his wife. And I'm saying, you know, it's just trash talk. It's, it's nothing personal. He gave it to me first anyway. I was just giving it back. Well-deserved. <laughs> yeah. 
That's awesome, man. That's good yeah. stuff. I do love it. Um, so you also you also said um, that you are credentialed for the Mets. Uh, so you get to you, you get to be there. Big Seahawks fan. I have to understand how how did you become a Seahawks fan and a Mets fan? Well, Mets fan. I grew up in Flushing Queens, so that's easy. You know, my dad, God rest his soul, is uh, you know who I have a memorial brick outside City Field for. Uh, made me into a sports fan. Uh, we grew up in Flushing. Uh, old Brooklyn Dodger fan who absolutely despised the Yankees and made me into a Met fan. Uh, I was a baseball fan before I was a fan of any other sport. And uh, used to go, if I got a good report card, I would go to a Met game. Uh, and, you know, I got to see them win in 86. Uh and as far as the Seahawks, when I started getting into football in high school, I loved the uniforms. Uh, I loved the whole 12th man thing because it was just starting up that they were retiring the number that year. Uh, I loved Kurt Warner, the running back, not the quarterback. And, uh, you know, just loved how loud the kingdom was and things like that. And I stuck with them ever since. And then when I got really good this past decade, people say to me, oh, you're, you're hopping on the bandwagon. I'd be like, kiss my John Kittner, Sean Springs, Kurt Warner jersey-wearing butt. <laughs> Love it, man. You yeah. bought a John Kittner jersey? More power oh, to yeah. you, man. Hey, I bought a Rick you. Myra jersey. I've, I had TJ Hushmanzada. There were some hard times I went through. That's incredible. Good for you, man. Yeah. That's too funny. And I, I always love that, and I appreciate that about longtime fans. You know, I, I know some Seahawks fans – that are recent fans. You know, I, I enjoy watching them. As I said, I've loved Russell Wilson since he was in college. So the last 10 years I have paid attention uh, and I'll be honest, I have rooted for them. Um, but the giants are my number one. And yeah, it's, uh, it's, I always, whenever after I don't, I don't loss, have a second team, it's just uh -huh. the Seahawks. That's it. Good. Good. There's nothing wrong with that. And every, every, after the giants lose everything, you know, which has been very recent, I always make sure to wear a giants Jersey on Monday or a giant sweatshirt on Monday, just to let everyone know, like I'm, I'm I'm in it. Still a thick fan. And thin, thick hey, and thin. 2000 World Series, Mets lost to the Yankees, right? The next day on the subway, I'm the only guy wearing Mets stuff. Some guy comes up to me, he goes, eh, "Mets suck," right? I said, "Did you like the Mets back in '86?" Oh yeah, those were my boys. Yeah, good and strawberry. Yeah. Good for you, man. And we need more yeah. people like you on this earth, Scott. Just yeah. to admit that they're Mets fans first. And that, but the you know, great thing about being credentialed is for the last 10 years is I get in with a fantasy credential, and every major league clubhouse has a fantasy football league. And the players, once they find out I'm a fantasy guy, treat me differently than the other media. Mm -hmm. uh, I've helped many major league baseball players with their teams over the years. Uh, I remember, for instance, in the Braves clubhouse, in the middle of the clubhouse, you're, you know, the card table is like sacred ground. The reporters mm -hmm. are not over there. The Braves are calling me over and like picking my brain about fantasy while they're playing cards. You know, Derek Lowe's telling me to sit in clubhouse chairs. I'm not allowed to sit and, uh, going for lunch with guys like David Wright. And, uh, I've helped David you know, consult with David on his fantasy teams for since 2010. And uh, we became very friendly. And when he retired, he sent me an autographed jersey personalized to me out of his locker, which I have in a frame. That's incredible. David is yeah. my favorite player. Yeah. And uh, is, oh, became, you know, going to lunch with Brett Gardner 
you know, him calling me during batting practice when he's supposed to be taking BP, asking if he featured trade for Gronk. You know, I've made a lot of a lot of friends among the players, the people around the game, et cetera. That's a good place to be, man. Uh, that, that's got to be so cool, especially growing up a Mets fan, and now you're, you're yeah. in the clubhouse helping helping David Wright for, out with this. I haven't paid team. for a game since 2009. <laughs> good for you, man. Good for yeah. you. That's awesome. I was at I was at the one the one win in 2015 uh, for the World Series. I was at it. It was incredible. Yeah, I was I was at the first yep. round. I couldn't get a credential for the playoffs. Ah. Uh, the rest of the playoffs because Major League Baseball handles that. Not, yeah. Uh, not the Mets, but the Mets credentialed me for the wild card round. Good enough. And I was at, I had a press credential. I was there at Johan Santana's no hitter. Oh my goodness. Very yeah. jealous. And, and Johan is a big fantasy football player. Jay Horowitz was walking by. He goes, Scott, watch this. He goes, Hey, I'll trade you my seven overall pick for your number two. Jay goes, BS, BS. I've been, I've been around a lot of trash talk. I've sat on the phone through entire major league clubhouse drafts and consulted with the guys on the phones last year too, the Cleveland Indians gave me an autograph baseball right before the season and said, we're going to win the championship. This is for you. You know, that's things awesome. Like, things like that. That is so cool, man. I yeah. mean, that is just, uh, that, that's a dream. You know, again, you know, you get, you get paid to do this. People would, would pay to have these interactions with players and just get to talk about fantasy sports because what I've found, especially with athletes is if you talk to them about other, you know, all of them love their sport, of course, right. Or 99% of them. But if you talk to them as they're human beings and not just be like, Hey, do you remember that thing you did that one time four years ago in the middle of July? Um, you know, they like to actually just like be human beings and normal people. And, you know, everybody who loves fantasy sports wants to talk about fantasy sports. So I think it's, it's awesome. You've been able to develop these relationships. With yeah. It's heroes. It's, of, it's, of mine. it's, it's different. The, the players want to talk to me mm-hmm. just as much as I want to, I want to talk to them. Derek Lowe, when he found out what I did, he told everybody to get the hell away from his locker, except for me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's too funny, man. Derek Lowe yeah. seems like a he's a pretty crazy guy, but uh, pretty good stuff. Um, so so on that note, I guess I always want to, you know, your your story is awesome, man. And and of course, I'm sure you and I could talk about the Mets. We could talk about fantasy baseball, football for until the rest of time at this point. But um, what would you tell other people who want to try and make a living in the fantasy sports world as a career? Young people, old people, you know, people in the middle. How what would what advice would you give to them? Um, to try and do what you've been able to do and build an entire career out of this? Honestly, full-time jobs in this industry are very few and far between. Uh, when you're getting into the sports writing business period, it's always very competitive and always a changing sort of landscape. To do fantasy for a living, a lot of people, you know, when I managed a past company for almost over a decade, they they thought that because they play fantasy or they talk trash about it, that they become a fantasy sports writer. They don't realize all the work that goes into it. You have to be willing to realize it's just not talking about your own team or just because you read doesn't mean you can write. The hardest thing to find in this industry, I think, is people who know fantasy well and can write well and put that two together. If you could do both of those, I think, I think, uh, I think you got to – you got a chance, but you have to become well-rounded marketing, customer service, business development, et cetera. You're never just going to make it on your writing alone. 
and it's very very hard to make a full-time career in this industry uh a lot of people will do this freelance and you got to be appreciative of that if you're willing to start your own company you know there's going to be a lot of growing pains it's it's not easy to succeed in this industry because it's more competitive than it, it ever has been that's some great people advice. who have full-time jobs are not letting go of them mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely again you know there's as you said they're, they're few and far between there's only so many of them to go around uh, and people like you have been doing this thing for 20 plus years so you have not only the knowledge and the wisdom, the expertise, but you also have the clout within the industry, which I think is also very important. Again, first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, four-time Fantasy Sports Writers Association award winner, nine-time finalist. I mean, that's just incredible. Uh, award-winning Sirius XM radio host. I mean, I can, I can say these accomplishments that you've had throughout your entire career all night and be able to talk about all of them, but is there anything that you are still trying to accomplish? Is there anything out there? I mean, I'm sure you want to get better every day. That's, that's not a question, but is there any, like anything out there that you are really reaching for that you just haven't been able to get to yet? It's probably something I may never accomplish. Uh, I want to win at the Javier, the Javier Jason kind of level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to take down a big tournament and just be able to lay back and relax and, you know, uh, enjoy some more financial rewards. Not bad. Um, I think, I, uh, I think uh, as I want, of this recording, Javi just I won think, another 20,000 last night, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's usual for him. That's daily. <laughs> you want to ask somebody who's like to win every day, you ask that guy. Yeah, right. But, uh, but then there's other things. You know, there's certain people I want to sit down and have a one-on-one you know, on Sirius XM or wherever that I just, I haven't had yet. You know, it's, I've had celebrities on my show, not only sports figures, but celebrities, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Raj from the Big Bang Theory has been on my show. Uh, Matt Deutsch has been kind enough to get Gene Simmons and Ace Fraley on my show. Uh, I'd love to sit down and, you know, shoot the breeze with Richard Sherman for an hour. I think that'd be a heck of a lot of fun. Maybe some quality time with Russell Wilson would be a lot of fun. It's very, very hard to get, you know, even when you work with Seahawks.com, you know, to get a, you get a quality sit down with him. Uh, not, you know, I'm not saying nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, that the Seahawks are doing anything bad. It's just a lot of people demand his time, you know, star court, elite quarterback. He's going to talk in groups. Um, I think, uh, I think that's some celebrities I would like to have on my show. Like I'd love to sit down with Sylvester Stallone and, uh, you know, shoot the breeze with him for an hour about a lot of things, including what, when the heck are we going to address Apollo Creed's kids from Rocky two and the Creed series? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there's certain people, cer- certain people I want to interview, uh, certain, certain things I, 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 I want to do. It's, uh, you know, I'd like to be front row at a Kiss concert uh, at some point, but they're on their final tour, so maybe I'll never get that have that happen. I I, I don't know. It's uh, I guess I guess it's bucket list list stuff. Watch 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 an NFL game on the sidelines, and I've watched it from the press box, mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully, you know, my son and I sharing a Mets World Series together would 
would, would be very cool. That would be nice. We might yeah. be well. We got what like every fifteen years they go to the World Series, give or take. So we have a couple years so they get there again. Um, yeah, believe me. Look, it's I'll not right easy to win the National League. You exactly. gotta appreciate that they they even got there. A lot of a lot of fans don't. I did, I did. It was again very was hard to win a conference or a, a league championship. It was the coolest experience of my life. I've never felt that feeling before of being in the crowd, um, you know, packed city field, standing room only, watching celebrities walk by left and right, um, and everyone's there rooting for the same thing. It was uh, that was a cool experience. Um, yeah. And so, so you brought up, you know, all these things that you're trying to do, and you know, trying to get that takedown is always fun too in DFS, and uh, you know, all these other celebrities, and a couple of those things I might actually be able to help you out with. So let's connect. Uh, Let's connect after this. I'll see what I can do for you. Uh, but I guess you know, going back to the DFS part of it with with the rise of, you know, season long fantasy sports and you've been around since the beginning. And then there was that extra jolt with DFS. How, how serious did you take that? And how, how far did you try and run with it considering how much more money was now on the line with more and more people having the opportunity on a daily basis to play a different game, essentially a different season all at once. I remember being at a Las Vegas convention in the early 2000s and John Zaleski, who's been in the industry for a long time saying to me, Scott, this thing, daily fantasy sports, it's going to blow up. I thought it was too novel at first, but John was right. And when it first came around, uh, I kind of went with the flow. There were a lot of people against it, but you know, I, I kind of enjoyed the spin on it and always went with the flow and uh, you know, I'm a NASCAR fan too. And I remember in 2015 when they launched DraftKings launched NASCAR, uh, my son's big NASCAR fan. I gave him 20 bucks and you know, he ended up winning a bunch of tournaments pretty quickly. And uh, you know, now he's for years, he's been a published NASCAR analyst, uh, et cetera video, radio, et cetera. He'll come on my Sirius XM show every week and help me preview the race. And, you know, us having our laptops out together on the Sunday when there's a race going on is, you know, the coolest thing, you know, watching the race together. And, uh, but it's become harder to win since everybody's instituted the algorithms. Mm -hmm. And I did pretty well early, but now it just seems, it seems like, with DFS, you have to invest so much to win so much. Mm -hmm. And everybody's got a dream of taking the big tournament down. And even for somebody like me, it's you get frustrated for a while and then you win. But you never win at the life-changing level. But then again, you know, it's a I've I've made a living off of fantasy sports, so you know, I'm still getting a return in another another significant way. And I think that's important. You know, you, yeah. you already won at the life-changing level because yeah. you were able to, you know, covet and, and earn a job doing, you know, earn a career doing something that you love. Essentially, every single day, you get to talk about sports and the fantasy aspect. You get to talk with athletes and help them with their teams. You get to talk to me. I mean, Scott, could it get any better than that, right? And Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, I mean, just just ask Javi, man. Just just give Javi a call one of these days. Say, hey, man, what's, what's the lineup you're putting down? As I said, he just won another 20 grand last night. He's already top 25 in the world for esports, and that only started a couple of weeks ago. So that guy knows what he's doing. That so guy I think, uh, can take down anything. It's, <laughs> he's incredible. He asked me for a few NASCAR tips and just texted me that he won a tournament. 
<laughs> so you already knew the information, man. You already knew what you needed. Isn't that funny yeah. how that works? He just put it in. Did he split he's, that? He's kind of he's kind he's kind of like a video gamer. He's he's kind of whereas you know you could just pick up the stick and compete in anything, mm-hmm. even though you're that not 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 that big of a fan, you know? Crazy. That's good stuff. But Scott, this was uh this was fantastic. Scott Angle, twenty yeah. plus year veteran of the fantasy sports industry. Scott, I sincerely sincerely appreciate your time today, man. Yeah, no, let's not forget David Jones when we're talking about all these oh, yes. uh, these high stakes winners. He's one of the nicest guys in the industry. But thanks He's for fantastic. having me, and uh, you know it's a, it's it's been fun, and uh, we'll always be a supporter of of Win Daily, change your game, change your life. Appreciate that, Scott.